Hello, and welcome to Around the Table, a podcast about food stories from science to everyday life. I'm your co-host, Tess Bird, and today Stanley Uliajak is going to interview Maddalena Bursato in Italy. Maddalena Borsato, you are a self-proclaimed pastry chef and a philosopher. Can you say something about yourself, about your qualifications and your interests in both philosophy and in pastry? Yes. Hi, Stanley. Uh, It's nice to be here with you. So um, to start, I would say probably, probably that I'm neither a philosopher nor a pastry chef. Uh, maybe uh, I can describe myself as a very messy pastry practitioner with a philosophical vein, something like this. Um, I would feel too, too arrogant in telling you that I'm either a philosopher or a pastry chef or uh, above all both. <laughs> But, um, I mean, very shortly, um, I studied philosophy in, in Italy and uh, my bachelor and then my master in between with a double degree between Italy and Germany. And I studied, uh, above all, uh, modern uh, German philosophy. And then, since I was feeling lost in my uh, philosophical path, I started a pastry school in Venice. And I start working as a help in different pastry shops in Italy because I needed to make something more practical, if we can say something like this. And doing it, I started to understand that uh, while I was working with my hands, also my thoughts were sometimes, not always, uh, a little bit more sharper. And um, two years ago, uh, I found a kind of combination of my passions and uh, I started a PhD program at the University of Gastronomic Science in Italy, where I'm researching on a project about uh, sweet flavor and aesthetics of taste. So I'm researching sweetness from a philosophical point of view, uh, understanding trying to understand the perception of sweet flavor and um, also the possibility of um, understanding more of the humankind through this particular perspective. And uh, to finish this uh, confusing answer, I can say that from uh, 2014, I ran a funny project Uh, that is a a website uh, with a former colleague that is a a dear friend of mine who studied philosophy with me, Jacopo Giacomoni, and a photographer. And it's a website called uh, aristotele.it. Aristotele is the combination of the philosopher Aristotele in Italian and torte, that is uh, cake in in Italian. And in this website, we try to, um, how can I say, philosophize with a spoon, we say. So we, we write articles and create recipes that 
connect specific philosophers to sweet recipes, trying to understand better some problems of philosophy through our recipes and to make uh, thoughtful cakes. Let's say so. <laughs> That's fantastic. And um, you're in Italy, um, presently in Treviso, which is near Venice. Yes. And uh, can you tell me something about the lockdown, how you've experienced it and how things are things are happening now, given we are now at the beginning of May? Yes. Uh, so um, the lockdown situation in Italy is now in its uh, uh, phase two, as the government called it. Uh, so I spend, like uh, uh, most of Italians, uh, the last two months at home with the short possibilities of going out, except for the most basic things like buying food and medicines and in smart working like most of us. And I think the the quarantine in Italy one uh, was was one of the most uh, severe in Europe, uh, of course, because uh, also was the first one in Europe and there were a lot of cases in Italy. So uh, the government decided to adopt these um, limitations for the social distancing. This uh, phase two is now a little bit more free also for me. I can go out for walks, uh, have some sports uh, and uh, a lot of people began again to go into work. I mean, the categories uh, who works uh, in offices and big distributions. Uh, actually, the, the shops will be open again in two weeks, I think, and bar and restaurants seem to open at the beginning of June. So slowly, hopefully, uh, we are coming back to a kind of uh, uh, normal situation if and if I don't know what is really normal <laughs> that is that could I don't know <laughs> can you tell me something about how food has changed for you um, across this period uh, yes I mean um, I think that uh, we can see the relation to food under many different aspects and I mean, uh, thinking about my daily relation to food, uh, at the very beginning, uh, I didn't feel this um, run to the supermarket that most of people uh, did to buy a lot of stuffs. There was, a, there was this remembering of a worse period. And uh, I, I, I thought that was a kind of, I mean, a way to defeat uh, an unconscious fear of starvation could be. Um, but for me, the most interesting things is that uh, now I have the feeling that uh, uh, we are, uh, and me too, we are reshaping our relation to food in very different ways and um, becoming aware, more aware that uh, uh, we do not know nothing about the food we eat. Maybe I, I know a little bit more than other people, but... Uh, uh, we are dealing with this unawareness and that with the fact that we are we are pure consumers and uh, 
with the idea that I mean we have difficulty difficulties to know the origin the origin of the food we are choosing at the supermarket. So as many other people, I begin again uh, in my in my city. That uh, uh, I mean I'm living here now, but I I didn't live here for a while. So I I, I began to explore more to become more aware of the different possibilities uh, uh, to buy food uh, from different producers from small producers and um, yes I, I have also at the same time the the feeling that mo- many people are still preferring the prepackaged food from the supermarket with the idea that no one touched it that it's completely untouched by the possibility of contagion and this comes from, uh, I have to say that I have a kind of obsession that is that looking into other people's shopping baskets. It, it was already a thing for me, like a kind of obsession, but now is maybe even more obsessive. I don't know why. <laughs> and uh, yes, I think that from the food we, we eat, we can know more about us. And in this moment in which it's difficult to understand what is happening, uh, it's another way. Knowing more about the food we are eating is a way also maybe to feel safer, could be. I've heard that people are turning to bread making. Can you describe what, how this is happening in Italy? Yes, uh, everyone is making bread and pizza and focaccia and uh, a lot of cakes too. And I think I never received so many uh, cakes and desserts photos from and bread photos from my different friends, even the most lazy ones, as in this period. And I mean, from one side, this is also um, funny because there was a moment where you cannot find at all in supermarket fresh or dry yeast and even flour and i also read that many yeast producers in italy could even not stand the requested quantity of the products and uh, uh, from another point of view also sourdough is now in many houses uh, suddenly and uh, from the photos we everyone is sharing, I have the feeling that everyone has uh, her or his jar of sourdough to raise and to care of, like uh, it is a, a real new baby, a real newborn. And this I find is quite nice and interesting too, because uh, we are caring about something more beyond ourselves in this particular moment. And um, I was thinking uh, about sourdough also because in Italian, the common name of sourdough is lievito madre, that is mother dough. And uh, it's, th- this thing is telling us that is also, I mean, it's a mother that caring about, about us, uh, making us the possibility of doing, of making bread, but uh, we have to care about it as a child. This is also quite <laughs> funny. That's that's really very beautiful. Why <laughs> why do you think people are are turning to bread making in such a big way? Um, I mean, um, I do not have a proper answer. Of course, I think that um, answers in in this particular period are not really my thing. Uh, answers are never my thing, actually. But I prefer to raise me questions. But uh, beyond that, I I thought. Uh, about many different aspects and uh, ideas connected to this uh, fact of uh, bread making so 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 for everyone in a way and uh, uh, so 
firstly, I, I think we we don't have to to forget one thing that uh, there was and there is a huge increase in sharing pictures uh, through social media and virtually with friends and families that are far away. And I think we do not have to forget this because it is a part of a possible answer. We know that people are doing a lot of bread because and thanks to all this amount of photos. So I think that the first thing to do is ask ourselves about ask ourselves about the relationship between doing and sharing digitally in this age of images everywhere. And I don't want to value this in a negative way. That is not my purpose. But I think that we have to be aware of this because uh, there are a lot of people in this moment living alone or in small uh, families. And they are doing all this bread and cakes. And I think that has to do for sure with caring about the people that they are living with, but also with the, the digital and the social media exchange. And this can bring to a first thing. We make bread and we make uh, cakes also as kind of symbols. And then through this virtual sharing, uh, it becomes even more symbolic of an important gesture that we are uh, lacking, that is uh, to take care of others. And I think this is also a connection with the, with the proper qualities and essence of bread, because uh, I, I have the feeling that we are not making bread to learn how to do it or to improve our te- technique, but we are making it because we want to share something. Because making uh, baking goods, uh, like metaphorically also using the oven, it's not like uh, cooking as a dinner or a lunch. It's, I think it's, for me, it's very different. We, we are making baking goods and bread more for the others than for ourselves. And bread is something also in a religious, uh, I mean, uh, symbolic uh, way. It's something that we make to share. So we make bread in a symbolic way to feel connected with the others that are far away. And, and the other possible question, I'm sorry, I'm going maybe too long, is that bread is also a symbol of life per excellence. So this idea of bread as a symbol of life, it's interesting in this moment because it's... Life that explodes, and but we don't want to forget, and we don't have to forget that it's the same life of the virus. So, in one case, the case of bread, there are microorganisms that are creating with us and with our ants and with our gestures the most simple food for us, and on the other, we are dealing with the with the, with the, these, uh, I mean, with these things, with this virus that is uh, happening inside us, around us. So I don't know. Maybe this is too far away. I don't know. <laughs> well, there's, there's certainly a lot to think about. <laughs> Talking about thinking, is there some a philosophy or a philosopher that you think can help make sense of this rise in bread making? So for sure, not me. <laughs> um, no, this is um, another very difficult question, as all the others, of course. For me, always the questions are very difficult. But um, I mean, um, from one side, I have to say that bread is something so uh, basic and vital. 
that it is possible maybe to find uh, a, a proper answer in many different books, not all, not only of philosophy, but also of anthropology or literature or poetry even. In, I think it depends on what uh, one is reading right now. I think it, it is possible to use this bread making to understand better what you're reading and the opposite way. So to understand this bread making through what you're reading. But uh, I was thinking about uh, three names in particular. And two are contemporary philosophers um, that are dealing with food, so that are more in line with the topic. And I I have to start with uh, Nicola Perullo, not because he's my advisor, he is my advisor, but because I think he has one of the most interesting perspectives about taste and gustatory wisdom in um, ecological and relational understanding of taste and food. And in this way, it could be very important to understand this, uh, I, this uh, rise of bread making. And the other one is an American philosopher, Lisa Elke, who is dealing with the food uh, since many years. And she's dealing with an ontology of the human being through all our eating relationship and through this parasitic idea of relationship. So I think it's also very interesting to understand our bread making. She said that we are tubes full of organisms. So also this idea of organisms that are inside us and around us and in bread could be also another perspective that is interesting to understand. And the third one is a philosopher that I'm reading now, um, <laughs> thanks to also my advisor, who gives me always uh, good advices. And I'm reading an Hungarian forgotten philosopher of the um, 20th century, Michael Polanyi, who wrote about uh, personal and tacit uh, uh, knowledge, and tacit dimension of knowledge. And... Uh, I think that our bread making can be understood as a kind of tacit dimension in which we are knowing more doing and implicitly, so doing bread without words. To, and uh, I mean, I think it's an, an interesting, even if it's, I mean, there are no answer, no uh, proper answers, but uh, we can find something very interesting to understand also what we are doing in this moment. Madalena Borsato, thank you so much. I, I've learned a lot and I wish you the very best in your time in Treviso and in this difficult period. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stanley. Thank you. Around the Table is a personal production of Dr. Tess Bird and Professor Stanley Uliajak, who are anthropologists of food and nutrition and of household uncertainty and insecurity. The opinions and ideas expressed are solely those of the contributors and podcasters and do not reflect the opinions of any university body. We currently do not receive funding nor make money from this podcast. The music in this episode is by Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you for tuning in.